Bayhills Community Church is pleased to have you join us for the concluding message in our series on Elisha. In the past few weeks, we've looked at a few miracles, especially in the Old Testament, and the impact they can have on our faith. Today, Curtis Zachary helps us see that God is alive and well as we look at the humanity of Elisha. Listen as Curtis helps us see that as we listen to God like Elisha, we won't have to do life on our own power. Another amazing series here at Bay Hills. Another great opportunity to jump in God's word and see what he has to say to us. Man, I was so excited about the opportunity to be a part of this series, Elisha. Man, I, I just, it's just so beautiful when we recognize that the word of God is a narrative from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation. It is a story that God has given us. It's this beautiful picture of who he is and this beautiful story from Genesis to Revelation whispers the name of Jesus all throughout. Like there's no question about the fact that every bit of scripture is pointing to the star of the show and the star of the show is Jesus. I hope we know that to be true. I think that's what's so amazing and so much fun about doing a series like this. Too often we are taught and we look at the Old Testament as this bit of scripture that is uh, a bunch of fables, a bunch of stories that are fun to read but really have no relevance to our situation today. But it's so sad when we look at it that way because God is interweaving and has interwoven the, the arrows that point to Jesus. Jesus all throughout scripture. He has been there and is there and will be there forever. Amen. And I think that's really exciting about a story like today. Over the past couple of weeks, there's been an amazing, amazing discourse being done over the story of Elisha and how he is just this beautiful example of a man that is obedient to the call of God, responding to the things that he is leading him to do and the dynamic impact that that has on all of what's going on around him is completely evident. Some of you are reading these stories for the first time and the magnificent of what you see is clearly on display and it should be because God is amazing. Would you agree? He's amazing. It's so crazy. And some of the stuff we are tempted to look at and say, man, this is just almost too crazy to be true. But that's the type of God that we serve. I remember I was listening to the sermon from a few weeks ago when Terrence was speaking. And it was so beautiful because the example of what Elisha was doing was really kind of like baffling to the mind. But thinking about the application of what we were looking at this God of the universe providing for us. It's just that crazy. Like when we see that God can be a God of comfort in the midst of suffering, that is crazy. Like that God can deliver us from our own circumstances, that he can deliver us from our sin and from ourselves. That is crazy. And as crazy as it seems in some of these stories that you've heard over the past couple of weeks, that's the type of God that is alive and well today. That's what's so amazing about 
the opportunity to read some of these stories. And so today we're going to jump into 2 Kings chapter 6. If you have one of these Bibles, from the back it is page 368. And I just want us to have the mindset and have, a, have the idea that everything that we will talk about today, everything that God is making available to us through his revealed word is pointing to the idea that this God that we talk about is alive and well today. Please let that be the underlining theme to what we're talking about. And we're going to start right here in verse 8 of chapter 6. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. All right, we're going to stop right there and we're going to kind of set the table for what's happening. I know that we look at Elisha, we see some pretty amazing things. We're about to witness another amazing occurrence of what God can do through someone who is ready to hear from him. We're about to look at that. But let me set the table of what's happening. So we got the king of Aram who's here and he is about to swoop in and have a raid on the people of Israel. They're at war with Israel. And there were these raids that they were doing. And these raids were very profitable. These raids were very uh, profitable for the Arameans. And so now we have this guy, Elisha's on the scene. And he says, King, they are about to swoop in. They are about to come in and have a raid on our people. So don't go by that place. Because if you go down there by that place, they're going to ambush you. And so then it says that the king goes and checks it out, sees what's going on. He comes back, he goes, okay, what he said is true. And so now they are able to escape this pending doom. There was about to be a swoop down on the Israelites, right? There was about to be a swoop down. The king of Israel says, oh, okay, no, what he said is right. Don't go over there and we're good. But it's interesting from the very beginning of this story, I think that there's some good application for us. We're going to learn some things about ourselves from different places in this story. There's going to be different times on one side or the other side that we'll look at ourselves and maybe see what God is trying to teach us and show us. And from the beginning of this, as I was studying and asking God to speak to me through this story and show me what it was that we should adventure into, the first thing that I'm just absolutely reminded of is the humanity of Elisha. Elisha's a person just like you and just like me. He's not Superman. He's not Batman or uh, some kind of superhero. He is a person just like you and just like me. The beautiful thing about Elisha is his posture. A 
Elisha is in a place where he is ready to listen to God. And when he listens to God, it actually has an impact on what's happening around him. So the king leans on Elisha. Elisha, it says in the word, time and again, would tell the king what he needed to hear. He had these insights for the king. It says time and again. And his posture was ready to listen. But it's really interesting because you see right here, it said that time and again, Elisha told the king that this is what you need to do or this is where you need to watch out since it happened time and again. But what do we see happen with the king right here? The king hears from Elisha, hey, don't go by that place. But what does the king do? He goes and checks it out for himself. Does it sound like us? Like we hear from God, right? God is speaking to us and we know that this is coming from the Lord and we get this message and we're like... Yeah, yeah, that's cool, but let me see. (laughs) I want to see. But we see over and over, it says time and again, Elisha heard from the Lord and spoke to the king, but yet the king is still skeptical, right? So the first thing that was striking to me in this was the humanity of Elisha. And And it's this, that God can speak to us. The question is, are we ready to listen? Because it's all about posture. Like, it's all about posture. God can speak to us. There's no question about the fact that God can speak to us. God was speaking to Elisha. That's what's so beautiful about this story. This particular story and these verses that we're about to read, the only one that's mentioned by name is Elisha. All the other characters are kind of left out nameless. And the reason for this is to point to the reality of how good God is and that God is bigger than any circumstance. It is pointing to the fact that he is the one that is speaking here. And God is speaking to Elisha. Make no mistake, it's not because of how good of a person Elisha is. It is the power of God that is providing anything for anyone in these situations. And so God can speak to a man just like Elisha, which means that he could speak to us. God can talk to us. Are we willing to listen? What is our posture? By posture, I mean, are we willing to receive? Because some of us are in a posture of our hands being like this. (laughs) Some of us are in a posture of our hands being like this. Are we willing to receive? Are we willing to listen to God speaking to us? I want to encourage us right from the very beginning. We've heard for the past few weeks these amazing instances of what God did through Elisha. Elisha was a person. God can use you. God can speak to you. God can speak through you. God can do amazing things with you. See, there's an amazing bit of truth that comes with the holidays. There's this one side of things where we look at what happens for so many people and we reflect on how good the time was. We had a good time. We were hugging everybody and hanging out with family and eating good food and inside in a warm house watching TV and football. It's all good, right? But so many people are not in a circumstance or situation where Thanksgiving was a happy holiday. There may be people in this room, as a matter of fact, I know that there are people in this room who don't look at Thanksgiving as this joyous occasion. They were really lonely on Thursday. And they were hurting. 
Some of us, Thanksgiving marks a time of pain for us. But what's so amazing right here, go back to this fact that Elisha is a person, but God is speaking. God is actually there. He's aware of Elisha. And this is what's so beautiful. God, the God of the universe, can speak to Elisha. And friends, if you feel like you're alone, if you feel like Thanksgiving was a time where you were by yourself, man, the most beautiful bit of truth is this, that the God of the universe is aware of you. He knows your name. And this God wants to speak to you. The question is, what is your posture? Are you willing to listen? Or are you kind of standoffish? We see uh, Elisha was ready to listen. And when he listened, God used him. And when God used him, it made a difference. And God wants to speak to us. That's the first thing that just jumped out at me about this story. And so we see that the king of Aram wants to come in and swoop down. But then Elisha says, hey, king, don't go over there because they're going to come and they're going to attack And so obviously this frustrates the king of Aram. Let's keep reading the story. In verse 11 it says, This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? (laughs) None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. That's crazy right there. (laughs) Let's just keep it real, man. Like, y'all know yourselves, right? You know what's going on in your bedroom, right? You don't want nobody eavesdropping on what's going on in your bedroom. But this guy is so certain that somebody from the inside, this is the inside job, somebody's leaking out information to the king of Israel. Somebody's telling them what's happening because there's no way that they can know time and again, remember what it said earlier, time and again, that we're coming. There's no way that they can know unless somebody is telling him, and he says, wait, wait, wait. No, man, there's this guy named Elisha, and he's on their side, and he keeps telling the king not only what you're about to do, but what you got going on in in your secret quarters over there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so this has got to be enraging to the king. Because what's beautiful about this is we know that Elisha obviously has a reputation that goes before him for this guy to be able to say, well, no, there's this guy over there that knows a whole bunch of stuff. And I don't know how it's working, but he keeps telling them what we're doing. It's not any of us. It's him. God is obviously doing something on that side. I don't know how he's doing it, but this guy always knows what's going on. As a matter of fact, he knows not only our plans, but he knows your Intimate conversations. And this enrages the king even further. So he hears this bit of intimate information about himself. Man, he knows what I'm even saying in the, in my bedroom. And he goes, okay, now nah, this is too much. I don't care what's going on. We got to get this dude. You got to imagine he's so frustrated. And he says, go find out where he is. The king ordered. So I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. All right, now, 
I'm not a super smart guy. <laughs> but just track with me right here. He just heard that this guy knows all of his plans. He also just heard that he even knows what he's talking about in his bedroom. He gets so mad, he says, all right, well, this is what we're going to do to get that guy. We're going to sneak up on him. <laughs> Everybody say this with me. Duh. <laughs> right? Can we can we do that? I mean, this this guy just heard that his intimate conversations are available to this guy. And he goes, oh, okay, I know how to get him. Let's sneak up on him. <laughs> This is crazy. But what's so interesting about this, again, like I'm, I'm just asking the Lord as we're studying this, what, what do you want me to see about this amazing story? The, the, the second thing that I saw was this. Like we are always skeptical of the move of God. We're always skeptical of the move of God, aren't we? I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I know for myself, there are times when I see God move, I see something supernatural happening, and I start asking questions because I want to try to understand it. I want to know what's going on. We have to see for ourselves, right? I mean, this is a perfect evidence of this. This man just heard that this guy has some kind of insight. I don't know how it's happening. Obviously, it's supernatural because if no one is telling him, for him to know, it needs to be coming from somewhere. And this guy still says, I'm so mad. I don't want this guy thinking about my thoughts, knowing what I'm talking about. No, we're going to go in secret and we're going to crush him. We're going to attack him and we're going to be sneaky, even though he knows that there's no way. He just heard that this guy knows all of his plans, but yet... This is what we do so often when it comes to the things of God. God is trying to speak to us. He's trying to tell us something. And yet we keep looking around the thing that God wants to show us. Does that ever seem like reality for us in here? Like there are times where it is completely clear that God is trying to do something. For some of us, it's actually even being in here. Like you didn't want to come to church. You weren't trying to go to a church. But now you're in a church and somebody's talking about the very thing that you've been struggling with. That God has been trying to talk to you. He's been trying to tell you something. And we keep going, oh, okay, yeah, uh, what was, what was? We keep looking for the next thing, even though God has something available to us. There's this pattern that we have in our lives. Like so many times, whether we're new to the faith or we're in Christ, one of the things that we do is we, we cry out to God and we say, God, I want you to do this thing for me. I want you to do this thing in my life. I need this thing to happen. I want you to do it. And then what happens is, even though we're skeptical and we don't believe that it's going to happen, God will do something amazing. Tell me if this is your story at all that's ever happened. God does something amazing. Even though our faith is small, God does something amazing, right? And he does it in a way that we never even thought he was going to do it. So then he does this amazing thing, and we're rejoicing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you, God, right? But then this next situation comes, and when the next situation comes, we're like, man, I don't know if God can, can do that. We forget, don't we? We become skeptical of what God is doing, has to have us involved. We need to have our hands in the dough. We think that we're a part of the equation. It's all about God. It's not about us. 
It's all about God. It's not about us. We could say that over and over again. Elisha was the perfect example of this. He listened to God. God is the one who spoke. And this king of Aram sees God doing something. And yet he says, no, I got to go see, man. Let's just go sneak up on these guys. We could, we could do it. I know we can do it. I don't care what's going on. We can do this. Let's keep reading the story. Verse 15. When the servant of the man of God, so this is Elisha's servant, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. Look what Elisha says. He says, don't be afraid. The prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. He says, don't be afraid. Those that are with us are more than are with them. So I think all of us at this point in the story are feeling a lot like Elisha's servant. Because Elisha's servant wakes up, looks outside, sees the whole house surrounded by Horses and chariots and people who probably have some very angry looks on their faces, right? So he looks out, he sees the opposition. He sees it right there before his eyes. He sees what's coming. Then he goes back into his master and he says, there is a lot of people out there and they are ready to go. And he says, listen, don't worry because Our number is more than their number. There's more on our side than there is on their side. And Elisha's servant obviously responded like we did. All right, cool. One, two. I'm going to go back outside and look one more time because maybe if I go first, one, (laughs) two. And then we look right here. Verse 17, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is so good, man, because he says before he even goes into this bit of the story, look, I know my God is my protector. I know that God is for me. I am simply listening to what God is telling me to do. This is Elisha's story. All he's doing is taking in and giving out what God has given him. And now his servant is worried because, man, they're about to be attacked by all these people. Elisha says, no, 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 no. There are so many for us. There are so many on our side that this attack, this thing that is against us, man, it has no chance of standing against us. It says that he looked out and saw many horses and chariots. But now when God opens Elisha's servant's eyes, he sees such a beautiful sight. He said, the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire. Chariots of fire, nothing? All right. That's good. Uh, that's, that's good. 
So chariots of fire. So he looks out. And this opposition, what seemingly was so daunting, it was this thing that was so big that seemed so overwhelming to Elisha's servant. There is no way that we could stand against this. But Elisha, in faith, says, no, there are so many that are for us that this opposition, this thing that you think is so big that is going to come against us, it has no chance of standing. Do we not understand that this is the same God that is for us today? There are so many circumstances in our lives right now that we look at and we say, this circumstance is too big. It's too much. There is no way that I'll be able to overcome it. This is as someone who is in church trying to follow Jesus, reading the Bible, trying to figure it all out. We still look at circumstances sometimes and we say, you know what, man, that thing, man, that thing is just too big. And God is great and God is good, but I don't know if he can overcome this. Does that sound familiar to any of us? The thing I love about this is that there's more at play than we can see. There's more at play than we can see. We need the Lord to open our eyes. Man, there is more at play, friends, than we can see. We need the Lord to open our eyes. Elisha's servant is there and he is afraid because the opposition, this thing that is before him is so big, so daunting. And they look at the smallness of their number and they say, man, there's no way that we can get out of this situation. What are we going to do? Elisha immediately looks to the Lord and he says, Lord, will you please show this man what's really going down? And all of a sudden he starts to see the chariots of fire and the horses and all of this immediately begins to point to the reality that there is a God behind the scenes that is ready to crush the oppressor if all we do is lean on him and trust that he can do it. Man, that's an amazing bit of truth because some of us walked in here today, some of us have friends or family that look at this word cancer, and we say cancer is bigger than God. Some of us walked in here unemployed today, trying to look for a job for months, and we say this joblessness is bigger than God. And we continue to allow our natural eyes to see the thing that is so big that seems like it will overcome us. Oh man, my teenage daughter is tripping and there is no way that God is going to be able to fix this situation. Man, this addiction has grasped me for so long. And though I try to keep it secret, I can't hold it in because I can't stop. I can't stop. It's bigger than God. God is saying, look. It is not simply about what you see. It says in the Bible that there are principalities and powers that are battling for us right now. There are spirits at play right now on our behalf, warring for the kingdom of God. This is a real thing, friends. The most beautiful bit of news that we could get today is this. We don't have to do life on our own power anymore. Man, if there is one bit of news today that you should walk out of here excited about, it's that. 
that God, the God of the universe, can give you the power and the direction to do the things that he desires from us. Man, that is so comforting because I know that I can't do it. I know that I can't do it. But God can. Are we looking with our natural eyes and allowing our circumstances to overtake us? Or are we going to look at what is at play? There is more at play. There are wars battling. There are wars raging going on right now on our behalf because the King of glory cares for you. We need to trust that God is for us. We need to trust that God is for us. And so we continue forward with the story. So now these chariots of fire are all around. And you know that Elisha's servant has got to be comforted a little bit when he sees this. But if he wasn't comforted by that, then check this out. Elisha, as the enemy comes down toward him, he prays to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. So now, if he wasn't comforted before that God was for them and that they had things in order, the enemy starts charging, probably enraged, coming down on behalf of the order of their king to come and get Elisha. And as they're coming down, Elisha says, hey God, uh, make them all blind. And then immediately they were blind. That's crazy. But it gets even crazier. This, this, is, this is wild right here. Check this out. <laughs> so they're blind and coming forward. And then it says in verse 19 like this. Look, Elijah told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. It says, and he led them to Samaria. So they followed this guy. So I, I want to make sure we understand what's happening. This is real life Jedi mind tricks. This is real life stuff. You are not in the right city. You are looking for the wrong man. But what's so amazing about this right here is that these men were charging just moments before. Were charging down to crush what they knew to be their target. Then all of a sudden, they go blind. Then in their blindness, they start listening to some guy saying, Hey, he's not here. He's over there. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and they start following this man, which is so amazing. Elisha, in his insight from God, says, Okay, make them blind. Now I'm going to direct them where I want them to go. They had a plan, but God had a bigger plan. And so he Jedi mind tricks these bad boys, right? He leads them into Samaria. Once they get into Samaria, guess what? They are trapped. He leads them basically into the center of all of the captivity. They are now done for. Everything that they had anticipated doing in their sneakiness is crushed. They started charging down. Now, Elisha, in God's graceful way, he makes them blind, leads them gently into the middle of captivity. Then he tells them to open their eyes. And when they open their eyes, surprise, you lose. <laughs> 
Man, that's so amazing. Like, this is for real. Like, this really happened right here. But check it out. The Lord opened their eyes in verse 20. And they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. But check it out. When the king of Israel saw them, now remember, king of Israel wasn't doing nothing, right? This is Elisha listening to God. God is telling Elisha what to do. He leads the people into captivity. Now the king of Israel pops up and he's like, oh, look, we got him. We did good. But look at what the king of Israel says. He says, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Now, this is really interesting. And you as parents will get this for sure. I'm about to have a child, but I've done youth ministry for a long time, and I've hung out with little kids for a long time. You guys will know what I'm talking about. It's like those times when you have like a little kid that will come to you, or maybe your son or daughter will come to you, and they really need help with something. You ever have this? Like they really need to help with something. Like if they're playing like a game on your phone, they're like, oh, can you beat this part? Can you get past that? Right. Or like, can you open this or can you put this together? Right. And they really need you. They come with these big puppy dog. Eyes. Oh, I need you to help me. Right. And then you're like, oh, sure, I'll help you. Right. And then you start helping them with whatever it is. And then once they realize like they can get past it, like, OK, I got it from here. Thanks. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Like, you, you know, before you were like, oh, so hello, thank you so much. They're like, move, I got it, I got to move. <laughs> like, we want help when we need help, but now that things are in order, now that things are at play, like, you know, the kid is like, okay, I can take it from here, I got it, get off, get off, move. <laughs> it was so sweet 10 seconds ago, and now all of a sudden it's just, what happened to your face? Why is it so angry looking? I don't know. <laughs> And this is kind of what's happening right here, right? Like, Elisha is being leaned upon from God's insight, speaking to him. Elisha basically steps up, takes control of the whole situation on behalf of God and says, okay, you go blind. Hey, you guys, come over here. Moves him right into the middle of the city. He does all of this stuff. Then the king of Israel goes, okay, uh, thanks, Elisha. I got it from here. Let's kill these fools. <laughs> but then Elisha, he says to them something very profound. He says, don't kill them. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Would you do this if you did the capturing? Oh, you'd have some captives. You would hold them. You would, you would, you would take care of them. You would, you would keep them. He says, listen, I know you want to try to take over after God has done his thing, but let God continue to do his thing. For so many of us in our lives, we're in the same type of situation where we pray and ask God to do something. And we're saying, God, I need you to show up. God, I need you to do something. I need you to take care of me. God, I'm so in trouble. I'm so hurt. I'm so lost. God steps in, he begins to move, it begins to move in your favor, and all of a sudden we say, okay, God, I got it from here. We, we no longer are in need of help. Our help came, we got it to where we think it needs to be, right? Our idea of things, we get it to where we can manage, but once we get to where we can manage, the help that we had, we no longer need that help. So last week we were praying in our prayer closets, crying, Lord, please help me. There's no way out. Now all of a sudden a way starts to make itself available and we go, okay, cool, I got it from here. And we forget about the God 
who's done the work. And right here we see a prime example of this. Elisha is saying, don't forget about how this happened. Don't forget about that. I know in your natural mind, you think, let's just crush them so that they can't come back at us. If we kill them all, they won't attack us anymore. But check out what God's plan is for these people. God, through Elisha, is directing them. And he says this, set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. See, this is crazy stuff. This, this should be crazy to us. We just went through all this trouble to get them where we wanted them. Why don't you just wipe them out? He says, no, feed them, give them something to drink, and then send them back. And this feeding, this sharing a table is the show of unity and hospitality in the culture, right? So he's saying, no, let's, let's just be friends with them. <laughs> let's just share a table, give them some food and drink, and then tell them to go back home. See, it's so backwards. And this is so beautiful because this is, again, another evidence of the kingdom principles, the way that Jesus is interwoven through all of Scripture. Because think about when Jesus comes later on. When Jesus shows up on the scene, Jesus starts doing things really differently than the people of the time do them. Remember, they were waiting for a Messiah to come. And when this Messiah would come, he would come with force. And he would come and crush the enemy. And this Messiah would come with violence and he would overtake. But yet, it says, Jesus told them to love your enemies. Do good to those who curse you. These are kingdom principles. They're backwards. They don't make any sense. Where we want to crush those that take things from us. In Luke 6.30, he says, give to anyone who asks of you. And if they take from you, don't even ask for it back. These are kingdom principles. Remember, at the time, they were living by these commandments. They were doing everything that they could to do everything right according to the commandments. And in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says to his guys, listen, I have a new commandment for you. That you would love one another just like I loved you. And check it out. They will know that you're my followers by the way that you love. Man, this is backwards. But that's the kingdom of God. You know what this is? This is God's grace on display. Do you know what grace is? Grace is unmerited or undeserved favor. Check it out. He prepared a great feast in verse 23. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. This is the kicker. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. He sent them away after loving on them and they did not come back. The king thought, man, if we just crush them, if we just get violence and we just wipe them out, they'll never come back. Elisha hears from God. He says, no, give them a meal, care for them and send them away. I know what I'm doing. And when he sends them away, guess what? They don't come back again. Now, I want to know what the conversation was like when they went back to the king of Aram. <laughs> we don't get that right here, but that's just my inquisitive mind just wondering what's happening. But it says right here that they 
don't come back. Man, can I just tell you this? God's plan. God's plan is always, 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 always a better plan. God's plan is always a better plan. See, right here, humanity's plan, our plan would be a lot like the king of Israel. See, in our minds, we come up with our own ideas, our own thoughts. But God's plan is always a better plan. Are we willing to trust his way over our way? Let's go back to that idea of grace. Go back to that beautiful picture of grace. Grace is on display right here. These people did not deserve to walk out of here alive. But yet God, through Elisha, says, let them go. And when he lets them go, they are not compelled to come back and attack. They are compelled to stay away because they experience love. God's grace. God's grace is available to us. While we were still sinners, Christ has died for us. God's plan is always better than our plan. Our plan says, crush them on the merit of their work. They have done this, they need to be punished. What if God takes that plan with us? Because of the people that they are, they deserve to die. Well, guess what? We deserve to die. But God's grace, God's grace is available to us that while we were sinners, he died for us. Even though we are sinners, he has done the work. There is nothing that we could do to earn his favor. It is a free gift. There is nothing that these people could have done to talk their way out of that circumstance. There is nothing they could have done to earn their way out of that captivity. They had to simply wait and take whatever was given to them. And guess what was given to them? Grace. It wasn't force. It wasn't violence. It was grace. And I guarantee their lives were changed. Man, friends, can we... Remember that God's plan is bigger than our plan. It's always better than our plan. The question is, are we going to be willing to trust that his plan is better than our plan because we keep doing things on our merit, on our work, on what we think is best. But man, it is God's grace that is available to us. Isn't that amazing? Even in the Old Testament, God's grace is on display We believe so often that there is this angry God that exists up until Malachi. And then all of a sudden, Matthew comes and then he's just like soft, sweet baby Jesus, right? Like he was angry Zeus before, but now he's like cuddly Jesus, right? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know what's so amazing? This is just for free. (laughs) As we're here on this Advent season, Jesus is not just some simple little baby just tucked in a manger like with little blankets and cuddly and stuff. Man, he is the king of glory. And he is coming back for his people. He is coming back for those that have given their lives to honor him, to live for him forever. He is coming to rescue and to make everything new again. He is not stuck in a manger, swaddling clothes. No, he is the king of glory. He's alive forever. He is reigning and he is ruling and he is coming back. That Jesus is coming back. 
And the most beautiful thing is that bit of news should not scare us. It should excite us. And God's grace being available to us makes that true. Because without grace, we should all be afraid. But with grace, because of what Christ has done on the cross, we rejoice at his return. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. I pray that we would remember like Elisha, to posture ourselves, to be ready to listen to you. God, we know that you can speak to us. We know that you are available to us. And I pray right now, God, that we would be ready to listen. And as we listen to you, God, I pray that we would not be skeptical of your things, God, that we would trust the power of your spirit to lead us, God. You say in your word to test the spirits, but when it comes to you, your goodness and your grace speaking to us, we need to have faith, believing in the things that we can't see. God, I pray that we would understand that grace is available to us today. There's more at play than we can see, God. You are working on our behalf. And just like those chariots of fire that are on the, on the hill, whatever the circumstance is that we think that is going to overtake us, God, it is not bigger than you. Sickness is not bigger than you. Addiction is not bigger than you. Joblessness is not bigger than you. A broken family, a broken marriage is not bigger than you. A fight with our children is not bigger than you. God, you are big. You're great and your plan is always better. We trust you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.